got sideways with some cowboy in a short ride in Casper. He was strong, he was stout, there ain't no doubt, but I was faster. Yeah, I've been under the lights on a few Saturday nights. Howdy, friends. Cable Smith, welcoming everyone into another episode of campfire conversations this is the 27th installment of that bonus content that i try to uh, to bring you as frequently as possible today's discussion a bit on the time sensitive side of things as uh, gabriella hoffman of the district of conservation podcast joins me to break down the inflation reduction act what does that mean for sportsmen and conservation really because i've seen uh groups like the trcp and bha celebrating this as a big win for sportsmen and anglers alike i'm having a hard time buying that so uh, gabriella is way more nuanced in the intricacies of this bill uh, so we're going to bring her on and, and we'll probably get into a couple other things <laughs> there's a a uh, Colorado senator who made an ass out of himself here this past week. And then maybe we'll hit on the midterms and what that would look like for conservation and, and hunting going forward if the Republicans uh, take over the House. So lots to get into. And without further ado, let's bring her on right now. Joining us from, uh, like, I don't know, I think it's Washington, D.C., maybe the outskirts somewhere in Virginia. Uh, but from that general area, it is my pleasure to welcome Gabriella Huffman back to the show. Yeah, it's good to be back. I know we have a lot to discuss, so I'm happy to break down things with you. Yeah. So how are things in uh, your part of the world? The FBI getting ready to raid another Trump residence? Yeah, uh, politics is interesting <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, it's weird. I, I don't recall Hillary ever getting raided or, or Hunter Biden, but uh, this is the world we live in, I guess. Yeah, it is interesting to say the least. It will certainly probably propel people to vote more yeah. so. Uh, we'll see what the details are from from all these proceedings. But yeah, it's a crazy time in politics, to say the least. Uh, what are your plans for this fall as far as hunting goes? I have some fishing plans that are coming up and I do have a little bit of a idea of what I'll be doing in the fall hunting wise, but, uh, as we're recording, I'm going into a cobia and red drum fishing okay. trip, kind of tail end of late season cobia, uh -huh. really excited for that. Cause I've never caught cobia before. So I'm going to go down to my States or my Commonwealth's coast, uh, right near Virginia beach and try my hand at it. I lost a bull red drum a few years ago, hoping to redeem myself. If we mm. are coming across a herd or a big swarm of them. So that'd be nice to do, but at minimum, I expect hopefully a cobia <laughs> this, yeah. this upcoming weekend. And then hunting wise, I'm going to be participating. I can't really publicly say much, but I am going on a ladies hunt somewhere in the South in October. Okay. And we're going to largely be targeting white tailed deer. And I think this part of Georgia also may have a wild hog problem too. So maybe some wild hog, but I heard at minimum white tailed deer. I think I'm going to be chasing white-tailed deer somewhere between like Richmond and Charlottesville. So like central Virginia, a little mm. bit away from where I live in Northern Virginia to do some white tail with some dogs. So dog hunting. Nice. Um, I've never done safely. that, but I, I, uh, 
I love hunting with dogs. So it's a Virginia thing and yeah. kind of a Southern thing. And they're really respectful of private property rights. And I, I think I've told you, maybe you're aware, but dog hunting is kind of controversial in our Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. And this dog hunter that I'm connected to, he's all about private property rights, respecting people, not being kind of a callous jerk when you are dog running and making sure you retrieve your dogs if they go onto someone else's property. So he's a good dog hunter, as we like to say. So he was like, yeah, I want to show you the ropes. And I also want to take you woodcock hunting sometime in the fall. So nothing super concretely in set for some things, but I'm hoping that certain things will materialize because I do need to fill the freezer again. (laughs) I'm a little dry. Yeah, Yeah, it is always controversial um, hunting anything with dogs. But then for some reason, like deer get this pass. Like it's ethical to hunt black bear with dogs. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Don't you dare go after white-tailed deer. <laughs> uh, it seems weird to me, but hey, to each their own. If it's legal in your state, I uh, I encourage you to to, to uh, hunt however you want. And I always have and, and will continue to advocate for that. Um, All of the above. Let's start with the Inflation Reduction Act, which was passed by the Senate last week. Uh, 50-50 split vote after Cinema and Mansion flip-flopped. Uh, Kamala Harris cast the tie-breaking vote. Uh, so here we are. Um, I've read like different numbers, but um, what was the total amount of the bill? Four hundred and thirty something billion dollars, or was it more than that? Oh, it's a lot of money, and it's yeah. hard to quantify because if it goes through reconciliation, maybe the House will pass less, maybe they'll mm-hmm. pass more. We are not sure, but the Senate bill, if I recall correctly, is a lot of money. Maybe three trillion dollars, perhaps. Oh, I think trillion. it's. it's I think it's upwards of $3 trillion. Oh, maybe this was an annual thing, uh, the $433 billion. Could be. I have to go back through the numbers, but it's at least in the billions, yeah. maybe in the low trillions yeah. approximately. And like I said, it's subject to change too, especially if it goes through reconciliation. And it's a lot of money. And we'll talk more about like how some people in conservation are cheering it. But there are a lot of aspects that are very misleading of the bill about reducing inflation in general, but as it relates to our interests, I don't really see it as a win and I'm going to hand it back to you so we can comb through the various details of it. You talk about inflation. I mean, how we got here was mismanagement of spending. And so now we're going to spend more money to bail ourselves out of our previous mistake. Like we literally learned nothing (laughs) and now we're going to spend all this money and who's going to bear the brunt of it? The middle class. That's essentially what's going to happen. Because those who don't want to work will continue to not work because the government incentivizes them to do that. Uh, the rest of us will take it in the keister. Yeah, it's actually going to impact a lot of self-employed people and people who have a business on third-party vendors. I know a lot of people in the outdoor industry will be effective too. Let's say you're a hunting guide, you're a self-employed person, you have an LLC, expect you host to be a hunting podcast. Yeah. You host a, any way that you monetize, let's say anything that you do in the hunting or fishing industry. And you're like a, a self, sole proprietor, or you have an LLC or even a small business expect to be targeted. Um, especially if let's say maybe you're critical of certain, not saying you're threatening. I'm saying in general, if you have any, even some criticism of the IRS, I know some friends in politics who are not controversial whatsoever, who've said they've been targeted by the IRS simply because they wrote an article (laughs) critical Uh of the IRS, which is crazy. But yes, if you're a sportsman or woman and you partake in, let's say a small business or a one person business, you may be audited. You certainly may face more scrutiny uh, compared to, let's say the billionaires and millionaires that they claim they're going to be targeting, but there's so few of them. Once you target them, 
who's there, who's left from right. that. So they're obviously in, in different, I would say metrics have shown that the IRS typically goes after those in lower incomes, especially black individuals in Southern states. That's what one IRS, I think ProPublica or someone like that put that out. It wasn't even a conservative source, but they mm-hmm. say primarily people who are non-white and who live in rural areas in the South tend to be targeted the most. So target the poor. <laughs> like, like, let the, and I did read that, that this uh, act um, took out language that would have increased taxes on billionaires. So that's great. Uh, and then instead we're going to hire 80 something thousand. This bill creates jobs for 89,000, maybe 87,000, 87,000 IRS agents. Meanwhile, as a Texan, we have less than 20,000 border patrol agents. That, that just yeah. pisses me off. Like, but you know, this administration's made it very clear. They don't care about securing our border. So here we are more. Um, I don't know. I always, when I think about Joe Biden, I, I think just like the, the term America last suits suits him perfectly. And this is just more proof of that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he has he he said he's not going to raise taxes on people. Mm. He said anyone making below 400,000 will not see a tax increase. But if you raise taxes on business, though, you're raising taxes on people like exactly. <laughs> he doesn't separate the two. Uh, or he, he rather he separates the two. He doesn't view them in the same lens because oftentimes an individual, like I said, can act as a business. There's such thing as one person businesses, mm-hmm. or there are small businesses, people who maybe employ less than 10 people who can be viewed. I mean, people often associate themselves with their business because if it's their baby, their project, essentially like the business is you, you are the mm-hmm. business. And so you'll be adversely affected and impacted and I think it is going to go after a lot of middle and lower income people because that's where they're trying to get some source from. In the American Rescue Plan, for instance, I alluded to this aspect that small creators, let's say people who use Etsy or eBay or something where they have like a little e-commerce online marketplace shop, they're going to ha- now have to, for every $600 denomination, because they lowered the threshold from $20,000 to $600, mm-hmm. Any $600 denomination you make that is seen as a transaction for your business is now going to be subject to being taxed by the IRS. This was hidden in the American Rescue Plan. The, the, this, this is, and actually, this is the bill that has contributed to inflation, believe it or not, but not mm-hmm. surprising. But this is the bill that can explain it. And this little provision is really hurting the littlest and smallest among us in entrepreneurial endeavors. And so, yes, you're going to see people who are not wealthy, who are going to be targeted the most and who are going to have to pay more money. And also in in our industry, too, in fishing, hunting, you're going to see more people fork over money, which is going to make it more impossible for them to go outdoors. If everything's too expensive, when things become cost prohibitive, it's going to make it harder for people to want to fish and hunt to recreate outdoors. Why would they if they have to worry about, you know, sending more money to the IRS, if they have to worry about potentially losing their business, if the IRS finds something problematic with their business operations? Because once you're audited, it's not because you have to fear for wrongdoing. It's it's a scary entity. When you get something in the mail, it's not because like, oh my gosh, I'm a criminal and I, I know I did something wrong. Getting a letter in the mail from the IRS is not a fun experience because they mm-hmm. often make a lot of clerical errors. I have a friend who's an avid hiker who I know in the policy realm, and she was like, I was incorrectly mistaken to have owed $6,000 when it was actually a $600, like mismanagement, you know, something, a lack of lack of accounting for, or like a a slight little error. And they hound you for that type of mistake. And it wasn't because she was criminally trying to hide more money. It was their end saying that she miscalculated how much she owed. 
So they have a lot of errors. They're not an innocent party. They, they have a, it's a bureaucratic entity. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of problems. A lot, some of the employees are not very good at math because they don't know how to calculate working for the IRS and not being good at the, you have to have some competency (laughs) if you're working in an agency like that. Yeah. Right. So, so they commit a lot of egregious mathematical errors. So people are naturally scared of having to see like, Oh my gosh, I owe this much money to the IRS. Again, it's not because you're engaging in criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. People have a lot of tax write-offs. A lot of Democrats have a lot of tax write-offs and they refuse to pay taxes. Actually, they uh, launder and they often don't show for taxes fully either. They love S corporations. They love finding ways to skim the system too. So Everybody it's does, not just right? Republican. Everyone yeah, does. Yeah. Or um, you can find loopholes. I write off every hunting and fishing expense <laughs> from you know air, airplane tickets to a uh, casual afternoon visit to Cabela's where I walk out and I'm like, how did I just spend a thousand dollars? You know, and I came out with three little boxes of ammunition, it seems like. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, yeah, we all write off anything that's associated with business. Um, and I don't, I just don't see how 87,000 new agents is going to do anything beneficial for the American populace. It's, um, not at all. Um, let's talk about the conservation component though, uh, because that's really what we want to focus here on, on the, I mean, and, and I do appreciate the, um, the, uh, the details on how this could affect hunting and fishing. That's great. And I didn't even think about that, uh, because I've been just really inundated with the idea that this is a win for conservation, you know, <laughs> bankrupting the country, um, putting all of this on the citizens, but Hey, here's a little $2 billion for conservation. You know, <laughs> that's not a win. Um, yes, we, we're, we are conservationists at conservationists at heart. Like that's what I built this business on is, is preaching conservation and sustainable use hunting. Uh, but you can't say that something so, that could potentially devastate the country is a win just because it has a little pork in there for conservation, which I don't even understand why conservation is a part of this bill. Exactly. I was telling you offline that as a political animal, I much prefer standalone bills. Like Mm -hmm. the great American outdoors act was a seminal conservation bill. It was largely funding, you know, national park infrastructure. It was permanently funding land and water conservation fund. The bill wasn't entirely perfect, but it was actually a conservation bill. Mm -hmm. This is completely a pork infested bill. It is full of pork. It has a lot to do with not reducing inflation, of course, but these so-called carve-outs for conservation are going to be diminished by the overall impact of the other things that are included, obviously the IRS component. And let's not even mention the climate funding. Yeah, that's the other huge thing here. Yeah, and and, you know, I know some people have different opinions about climate change and whatnot, but when it comes to regulating, let's say, climate versus environment, people don't know that if you allocate more money for climate, a lot of the times it doesn't go towards fixing environmental problems. It could be deferred to, let's say, people who are going to be benefiting from green subsidies, a lot of people with electric vehicle interests or clean energy interests. I know there's provisions to, uh, of course, pursue net zero. And while it seems like, okay, they're going to be funding for, let's say, conservation easements or for private land opportunities, or this is going to be a boon to something else conservation related in the grand scheme of things. If let's say people are going to have to fork over money to the IRS more, or Mm -hmm. you're still going to have to account for spending more because of the inflationary times that we're in, these wins seem very minuscule. 
And who's going to want to say, okay, yeah, we threw a bone to conservationists. When you look at what they're doing federally, as you very well know, they're not advocating for sportsmen and women. Why are they asking for comment? It just actually hit the deadline. Secretary uh, Halland has been terrible, terrible. We have lost hunting opportunity. We have lost uh, the right on some federal lands to use um, traditional ammunition, lead shot. Soon to be. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you see, and I've talked about this before and a lot lately because it just pisses me off. Like, where is BHA saying, oh, we were wrong about Deb Howland. Hmm. She actually sucks for sportsmen and for conservation. No, can't get that out of them. Uh, but they were wrong. We all knew it. She wouldn't commit to, you know, and you have groups like SCI putting pressure on her before she was, you know, after she was appointed, but not confirmed. Hey, will you commit to a no net loss hunting policy? She wouldn't do it. And now we have had millions of acres closed in Alaska um, for, for without any scientific data to support closing those hunting units. And I only see that trend continuing. It's not like she's going to slam it in reverse and be like, oh, wait, let's open more hunting land. No, that isn't going to happen. Um, and the truth of the matter is we gained access and gained opportunity under Trump. And we have absolutely we have slammed it in reverse and gone the, wrong, the other direction um, Ye- under this administration. It is noticeable. And with that lawsuit that triggered this lead and ammo ban, so it'll first retroactively ban lead tackle and ammunition on 15 national wildlife refuges. Mm -hmm. And they say for any future opening that it's going to be prohibited altogether. I'm not sure if it's going to retroactively apply to anything else, but what's to stop them? Because they went full speed ahead with this rule change. And even with the comments that I suspect were submitted, I think largely it was in opposition to the proposed rule change. But even with public comment, we've seen in different, I've observed in different areas outside of conservation, they don't respect the will of the people. They just go ahead. They say, okay, we're obligated to allow you to comment, but we're still proceeding. We have preconceived notions. We're going to be proceeding here. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to go full steam ahead with this lead ammunition ban because they've been misinformed and misled by the Center for Biological Diversity, Defenders of Wildlife, and other radical preservationists. All groups that she's been meeting with behind closed doors while hunters don't have a seat at the table. Exactly. And I have, I that's know that corrupt. They, that's corrupt on yeah. every level. You know, yeah. you're only negotiating with the one side and the mm-hmm. people that it actually impacts and, and who actually protect the wildlife don't even get a say. No. And we, we've seen, let's say conversation or chatter about them restarting the hunting and shooting sports council. I haven't seen any proof of that recently and give, you know, obviously Trump imperfect person, but mm-hmm. when it came to conservation, I remember observing through both of his interior secretaries, sportsmen and women had a bigger seat at the table. Mm-hmm. You would always see uh, fishing interests and hunting interests going to different events. You don't see them mentioned on social media much anymore, unless if it's to propose, let's say, clean energy development or climate change or something of that nature. But they're not saying, OK, we are actively expanding, although they love to put out press releases saying, see, we were administering and overseeing the largest expansion and the largest conservation funding in history, the, the 1.5 billion that came in, but then behind the scenes, they're doing everything to betray that Mm -hmm. principle and go against those openings and that funding, especially with supporting lead ban and indirectly supporting gun control too, Mm -hmm. um, as well. So it's like, they talk up these accomplishments of look, we're expanding access for sportsmen and women, but like you alluded to in Alaska, not respecting no net loss indirectly attacking public lands access by limiting what type of, let's say, supplemental items you can use to ensure you can fish and hunt on public spaces. So that is seen as an indirect attack on public hunting and fishing access as well. It should definitely be viewed that 
And I can't even imagine where else they're looking to potentially limit access through a policy called 30 by 30. I don't know if you've read into it that much, but it's kind it's (laughs) I'll give you some more research on it, but it is for the private land interest stuff. It is very, very problematic. And we're starting to see cracks through the argument that it's good for even public land interests too. It's kind of an offshoot of a California bill that I remember growing up. Oh, and they great. Had... Yeah. <laughs> so it certainly has its inspiration there. But in a nutshell for your listeners, how I see 3030 being problematic for public hunting and fishing interests is stemming from a law called like the California Marine Life Protection Act. And they said there's overfishing. There's a lot of threats to marine life. So we have to cut off public access for fishing, recreational fishing on California coast from like Santa Barbara to San Diego. And they're like, okay, it's only going to be short term you know, mitigation efforts. And according to the American Sport Fishing Association from a few years ago, they never restored back access. A lot of those key fishing areas or recreational areas are still off limits. You have a lot of limitations to certain public fishing areas. And so that's what I see with 30 by 30. So your listeners should educate themselves on 30 by 30, because that's also going to weaponize, let's say national monument designations to say, okay, Let's designate this, let's say, BLM area where there are fishing and hunting opportunities as a monument. And many times monuments can have adverse effects where you do see a lot of limitations to hunting and fishing access. I recently documented this in both Utah and Arizona. I have videos coming out on that. And Arizona sounded the alarm back in 2017 in support of the monument review that then Secretary Zinke put out because they saw that their authority was being encroached on by the federal government because the states have a responsibility to manage and steward natural resources, wildlife. So they thought that they had shown severely that their ability to carry out their duties as a wildlife agency were severely limited, especially through monument designations or the government coming in and saying, okay, this is a state management thing, but it's actually federal. And then you still have to manage it as a state, although they do cooperate, of course. But it's like, there's so many different policies that are emanating that will restrict and 30 by 30 has a potential to restrict your access. It's misleading the public on how much public lands are already conserved to, you know, multiple uses or or off limits to multiple uses. It's actually closer to 40%. It's not 12%. We already have 40% of lands in this country that are off limits to, to let's say timber or to certain, you know, multiple use practices. So they're lying there. They say that 23% of oceans are already protected, but they need to have that more so to 30. So they're going to use certain things they've been doing at a local level to try to implement nationally. And then sportsmen and women won't really have a seat at the table. And they weren't able to define what conservation is in this so-called America, the beautiful plan. And so that's something people have to look into too. So they may, I mean, they can't define what a woman is. How could they possibly define (laughs) what conservation is? You know, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. That can be argued. Certainly a case for that can be made. And so there's a lot of criticisms obviously with these more tailored issues and then these more big picture issues that seem to be conservation on the surface. But when you dig into it, it is really not. It has a lot of deleterious implications with them. And some people have accused me of spreading misinformation. This is a group called like Center for Western Priorities. They're a very left-wing backed conservation group masquerading as a true conservation group. And I'm pretty Mm -hmm. measured and level-headed. I try not to be controversial. I'm very even killed in my analysis. So if they're labeling me misinformation, you know, central or something of that nature. Oh my gosh. How when far I, <laughs> on the right wing side would I fall? <laughs> I know <laughs> you'd be like out there. To, I mean, I'm conservative. This guy's I, a domestic <laughs> terrorist. Y'all heard about this cable oh Smith guy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I mean, I like, you know me, I'm very conservative politically, yeah. but I like to my analysis to be 
pretty even keeled. You know, I don't right. want people to be turned off. I want people to know we'll what spade you're getting spade. Like I'm pretty yeah. pissed off at Mike Lee right now over that, that yeah. new housing bill that I found out about this week. You know? Yes. Yeah. Like, Sometimes like Republicans miss that. I like Ted Cruz, but I don't, I mean, and I've had Ted Cruz on the show multiple times and yeah. he and I don't see eye to eye on public land. Like, and Mike Lee's the same way. So they all have their warts. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, you have to find the one that you agree with 60% of the time because that's mm-hmm. about all you're going to get. Yeah, we can talk about the Republican bills, too, if you want to. But from the Democratic side, I really don't see how this administration, just in the one and a half years that we already have, our interests are more jeopardized than they are preserved. Mm -hmm. I think it is going to cause a schism and more divisions. I know you've been encountering some blowback because you pointed out something of a documentarian who is a Mm -hmm. preservationist and people have tried to cancel you. And there are opportunities. Oh, yeah. Conservation should be bringing people together, but it's become so politicized that now we unfortunately have to become kind of tribal. I'm not saying that's a good thing to to resort to, mm-hmm. but you can kind of see the outright clear indications of, OK, which party is generally advancing your interests for sportsmen and women who are pro Second Amendment and also pro conservation. And that generally, to me, appears to be Republicans, although we have some issues with a few members and we can get into the Return Act if mm-hmm. you want to, because I know. There's a lot of concerns there and there should be because oh, yeah. Republicans. I, mean, I just I just talked about the house, the housing one yeah. that was just this week. Return Act. Uh, we don't have to go into too much detail no. there. Just I think uh, I've covered it on the show and it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a bad, bad thing. And yes. I have seen and you even commented um one of my listeners emailed, I think his name's Pat Fallon, uh is a congressman from Texas and um he was the he were he responded to the guy and said, Yes, I'm I'm taking my sponsorship of the bill off he's like i didn't realize the devastating impact of gutting the pittman robertson act you know would have on Mm -hmm. sportsmen so he's like and he listens to these people and so he's you know he's removed his sponsorship that's great we're making a difference when we when we write these people um so that was encouraging to to get that feedback yes and i think more will peel support uh Mm. to go off of that and rarely have i seen republicans support bad bills this is one of those and like you mentioned the the house act um, I haven't read too much into it, but I will uh, just yeah. to well, be it's brand aware new. of like, it. I just yeah. found out about it. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, the return act is certainly not breaking news, but um, I don't think any sportsman uh, left, right or middle should support that. It's, no. uh, it would devastate conservation funding for, for the entire country. And the way that they twist it as a sec, it's a pro second amendment position to do that. There's no evidence of it. And mm-hmm. the way the excise taxes are structured for, the firearms and ammunition community, it's not restricting your rights. It's mm-hmm. its seen as a boon to constant. And you're also seeing those monies go to public target shooting ranges. So how are you losing your second amendment if it is paying for your activities to practice safe shooting sports? So it's not. Mm-hmm. And the excise tax, you know, the, the thousand percent one that actually my congressman wants to do, that is an infringement, of course, but no one sees as it's currently structured Pittman Robertson as an infringement on your second amendment rights. It would be if it was, then you wouldn't see the industry support Pittman Robertson. You wouldn't see NSSF. You wouldn't see different manufacturers support it if they viewed it to be an infringement. I don't know any hunter ever in, in no. 15 years of doing this that's come to me and said, Cable, the Pittman Robertson Act is a bad thing. Like, we got to get rid of this thing. Like, it never has happened and it ever no. will. So it's totally misguided. Absolutely. Um, going back to the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, though. I've seen groups like uh, specifically Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Um, if they have, if they weren't out as a left wing group, they are now. When they came out in support of this, you should see, and I'm, I and you probably have looked at the comments on their Instagram page. 
I haven't seen, but maybe 5% of the people saying, oh, this is a great thing for conservation. Everyone's like, well, you just lost a follow and lost funding. You've shown your true colors. You know, a, 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 like we just said, a bill that devastates the American people but has a little kickback for conservation isn't a good thing because, oh, we can't afford to support it. You know, like we can't afford to support hunting and fishing because we're bankrupt. Um, yeah. Or, and, and, and let's be honest, hunting and fishing are like the first hobbies that when times get tough, it's like, well, I can't afford to do that anymore. So, you know, people stop spending money on it. Uh, I, I, but I, I do think it's great. The comments on their, on their page, if anybody wants to see who they are, what they really stand for. And the fact that they have Teddy Roosevelt's name as the, the title of their organization is just laughable. Yeah, I think generally speaking, I've always had good interactions with TRCP, but mm -hmm. I am astonished. Under the last administration, they were pretty okay. They were middle of the road. They weren't, you know, antagonistic to the Trump administration, but it seems like they're all in for a lot of stuff that they wouldn't have been in the previous year. So that was concerning to me. And I think that's why you're seeing reaction from comments. And I know social media is not the perfect gauger, but if a lot of people are reacting negatively to their support for the IRA, then that goes to show that I think people can individualistically think because not all conservationists are monolithic in their thinking. They can say, so we're getting this little bone thrown at us, but ultimately I have to reassess my hunting schedule this fall, my fishing trips. And not even to mention the costs that are going into how much you have to spend to travel to go fishing and hunting right. uh, with the energy costs, um, with inflation, of course, energy and electricity are the, or gas and electricity costs are the two largest increases according to the consumer price index. So your ability to go do hunting and fishing, the method with which you travel is also going to make it harder for you to be able to do it because the costs have become so much more exorbitant. Mm -hmm. And so I think people can see through like, uh, okay, so maybe again, a bone to, uh, conservation easements or this so-called climate spending or this so-called investment vague on projects. how they're going to spend the money, right? The benefit conservation. Right. And they say they, they're saying like, it's actually really good for oil and gas development too. And that's why mansion got on the hook with it and is kind of hurting his credibility with saying, okay, the mountain Valley pipeline is going to be confirmed and it's going to go full steam ahead. Cause I, you know, I brokered a deal but I was reading in a Virginia publication that is not favorable to oil and gas. It is very much on board with net zero. They're like, well, actually mansions conditions are not guaranteed. So even if there are supposedly good stipulations for multiple use, they're not guaranteed. They can, again, because only the Senate version has passed the house version. We don't know what they're going to put. Are they going to take out the mountain Valley pipeline? Are they going to take out these so-called conservation provisions? What is going to be kept? What is going to be not kept still remains to be seen. And so, I think people can recognize that voting for, again, I think a standalone bill, I would wish that members of Congress would pursue standalone bills. You can get more support for it. You can fine tune the details. You can actually advance really good conservation provisions as a standalone bill. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, with where we are, with deep polarization in this country, unfortunately, they're going to slap things onto really bad bills and say, see, it's good because we put these prescriptions in it. So it's going to be great and pass. And then people are going to see through it and say, well, things are prices are going to go up, inflation is going to be risen, but you're trying to assuage my concerns with these little so-called wins. When actually that, they're not that's going what to they be. They do, wins. right? They they give that's what they do. Each entity just a little a little taste just to keep them happy so they can get their support. But really, it hasn't done anything productive in the long no. run. No, like 
it really is a measure to feign support for sportsmen and women activities. And we could talk about the senator who yeah, is evidence of that. Michael yeah, let's Bennett talk about of yes. Colorado, who found himself uh, getting a little backlash <laughs> from the hunting community. And I didn't even know about this until you sent it to me, you, you messaged it to me. But he appears in an ad fly fishing like he's a big outdoorsman. And then come to find out he bought a one day fishing license. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know if there's any track record of him actively fishing. And mm-hmm. let me let me put this out there. I have bought, I think a lot of us have bought one day fishing passes. When we I don't travel. think that, when, yes, we travel. when we travel. Right. I'm going to and be doing that when fine. I go to Montana and I don't. Absolutely. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. But it, there's I don't know if there's any record of him, and I could be corrected on this. Maybe one of your listeners can find evidence of this. I haven't really seen him gesture genuinely that he does go fishing. It seemed like he had got like a new pair of waders. It seemed like, I mean, and nothing wrong with guided fishing. I do guided fishing too. I do do it yourself mm-hmm. fishing, fly fishing. I love fly fishing. I've gotten into yeah. it. I used I'm to going be going on a guided trip in New Mexico next week. You know, there's awesome. nothing wrong with that. And I'll buy no. a two day or three day fishing license. Right? Well, we need to, we need to make fly fishing more ecumenical and not as like lefty elitist because right. what deterred me from doing it. Cause and I don't care what people's politics are for fly fishing, but I encountered some people in the beginning of my fly fishing journey who are very far to the left are like, oh, you stinky conservative. You shouldn't be doing this is our sport, but it's becoming more ecumenical. Trout? No, you can't eat the trout. <laughs> yes, Take you can. Take the barbs out of your hook. What are you doing? <laughs> it depends on the conditions. Sometimes I catch and release. Sometimes I put and take. Of course. Depends on my mood. Depends yeah. on, you know, and if it's a little fish, you don't want to take it home because it mm-hmm. needs to grow. But back to Michael Bennett, um, a lot of these Democrat politicians and sometimes Republicans do it too. They say, I'm an avid sportsman, but they're just doing it for an ad. And that's so disingenuous. And I never like it. I, I'm really very much against it. And I'm such a big to- fisherman that I don't <laughs> have a Colorado fishing license. You know what? Yeah. If you were a, a fisherman or a hunter or a conservationist, you would have already bought that. You exactly. would have bought it, buy it every year just to support. Yes. Th- Pim and Robertson initiative. funds. Right. Yeah. And it's not expensive for residents. Like it's no. actually a fairly cheap deal. And depending upon the state, well, he has so- $31 million. So he should be able to afford worth, it. You would think <laughs> <laughs> it's not expensive and you can get a whole package of, and every state is different. So I'm looking into Colorado cause I'm going to be going on vacation there mm-hmm. for a non-resident. It's really not that bad. I can buy like a five day pass for like maybe 40, 50 bucks. And then mm-hmm. if I need to add additional days, you do it. And I think there's a stamp that you have to do in my state of Virginia, in, in my in our Commonwealth, you have to buy a resident license for freshwater, a trout stamp or res, non-resident. And then I think, I don't know if you have to pay like a conservation stamp, but at minimum, you just have to pay a trout stamp and a residential or and a freshwater license. In certain states out west, you have to buy like a conservation stamp in lieu of a trout stamp, or you may have to buy a national forest permit, things of that sort. So every state is different. So when you calculate Colorado's resident fee, it's really not that expensive. So if he is an avid fisherman, he would have bought a year round license. Right. And he, right. it, by all indications, he hasn't. If he's buying a one day license as a Colorado resident, something is fishy there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's the one day that you faked you went fishing. That's yeah. all that is. Yeah. Uh, and, and he also had a hiking ad too. Did he really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he, he does did. hike. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he does hike. Probably he does more mm-hmm. hiking than he does fishing. Well, okay. That's your opinion. <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't followed Bennett closely. I know that <laughs> vilify him, but I am. We are going to say that if you bought a, like you just said, if you bought a one day fishing license, you're probably not going fishing very much. No. And you're probably not that into conservation or you would have already supported it. Um, yeah. I think feigning support is a good way to, to describe that. And it, it plays 
towards people that are maybe in the middle and be like, oh yeah, this guy's a sportsman. Let's uh let's look into Michael Bennett. And then you see this ad and you're like, oh, he loves fly fishing. Yeah, it's just it's a facade. <laughs> in many cases, yeah, the optics look good, but if you look at his record, he has compared to some other Democrats, he has supported some okay stuff. I wouldn't say he's like a, you know, knocking out of the park, you know, fully invested in sportsman's issues. He's not the worst, you know, member of Congress or Senate member, but he's again, because of Colorado, well, a lot Raul of people fly Carhalva fish is probably the worst. Of the worst. Oh yeah. Yeah. He the, definitely the, is very he's an Arizona congressman who is whenever you see anything about trophy import bans, he's always front and mm-hmm. center leading that charge. He's probably never been to Africa, probably won't ever go, doesn't know or care about the financial impact that, that those people, uh, the negative financial impact right. that those people take when Americans dictate from uh, their their little perch in DC mm-hmm. as to how those people can manage their wildlife, which pisses me off because you know we handed them the playbook. It's like, hey, here's our model. It works. Use it. Okay, we'll use that. 10 years later. No, 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 don't use that. Sorry. We don't want you to use that anymore. It's it's racist. It's colonialist. It's like, it is literally, it is literally modern day colonialism. You're telling yeah. these third world countries from, from Washington, DC, how to manage their resources. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, and, and you don't really give a crap about the humans. Like you take away, it's just, a, it's, it's infuriating. It's you see it I, with the big game animals here. Like mm-hmm. Grijalva definitely is opposed to grizzly bear management, wolf oh, yeah. management. Mm-hmm. You see this because again, he doesn't live in Montana or Wyoming or Idaho. We and he doesn't, have, you know how they give out NRA ratings. We should have sportsmen's ratings for that would fishing. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We should, all right. There's a, maybe there's SCI a little, has to do this. If anyone from SCI yeah. is listening, they should give a, a scorecard. Are you hearing this? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. No, they should because those are effective. And then sportsmen could be like, well, okay. And there, there are sportsmen that, that that vote blue. I don't understand it from the Pittman Robertson funding and the Second Amendment aspect, but there are. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, maybe you could find one that, if you're going to vote that way, at least has a good track record with with hunting and conservation. If we had that rating system, It'd be cool. Um, what was there anything else you wanted to hit on today? Yeah, I think um, I'm going to throw from, the ball to you. Sure. Well. If let's say if we're talking elections and, and the future of conservation, let's say the Republicans take back the House, the mm. Senate, I think, can happen too. it's still, again, three months out. Herschel Walker, what? Herschel Walker, <laughs> Herschel Walker. <laughs> Actually, Nevada has a good senatorial candidate, too. I've interviewed Adam Laxalt. He's pretty good on the issues uh-huh. and, um, you know, manage. He would represent a state that's 80 to 90 percent public lands. He's pretty conservative all across the board. Definitely will support the Second Amendment. I have probed him a little bit on uh, sportsman's issues. And I think SCI has engaged with him. So uh, Nevada will certainly have a pro sportsman senator again and a few other places. But to look forward to in, let's say, the House of Natural House Natural Resources Committee, if Republicans do take back the House, Raul Gohava will then be the uh, minority leader or like the ranking member of that committee. And actually, we have to look forward to. Uh, Bruce Westerman, who is an avid sportsman, he's the lone forester, he would likely take over that committee. So we would have some balance back and some true conservation measures that would advance through the House Natural Resources Committee, which Mm -hmm. oversees all this conservation policy portfolio. So we will have some good people to look over from the Senate side. I think John Barrasso is going to take over likely the Natural Resources Committee from Lisa Murkowski, I think, because he is ranking member currently of that committee that Joe Manchin currently oversees. But whatever guides the Senate. 
Um, if Republicans do flip the Senate, we would have some balance restored there. And Barrasso is a pretty good friend, generally speaking. I know he's supporting the House Act, but for sportsman issues, he's de- definitely on board. Sometimes Republic lands, maybe not always there, but um, for general sportsman's issues, Barrasso is pretty decent, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, top top picture uh, with that. But um, yeah, it's and maybe we'll have some oh, repelling Gabby's of court cases. System, he's getting a six and a half. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, that would be good because if we got rid of Grijalva, maybe we could make some headway on the grizzly bear hunt that yes. has already been sanctioned by, sci- uh, by biologists, scientists saying we need to have the greater Yellowstone grizzly population managed. And we have the, uh, I think it was Wyoming, they already drew the tags. They're having the hunt. And then some jackass judge in like California, some circuit judge was like, nope, we're putting the kibosh on that. We're not doing that. That was like four years ago. Maybe it was actually a Montana judge. Montana judge. Yeah. Five, that was my old studio. That was five or six years ago now. And we still don't. 2018. We, yeah. Give or take. We, gosh, time's flying. Uh, but yeah, we still don't have any resolution there. I mean, no, because it's being challenged in the courts. Because of all these serial litigants who use sue and settle practices, a lot of that shouldn't be abused like this for lawyers to recruit fees and then to also stall conservation efforts. Mm-hmm. And actually, they're hindering the law that they claim to to adhere to and they that they laud. The Endangered Species Act is being weaponized, and it's actually preventing species from being delisted and from being able to be accountable through the states. So Mm. when let's say grizzlies and wolves have been delisted, but now they're kind of in this legal limbo because of these lawsuits, these crazy lawsuits, these species could then be managed by the states who are the better arbiters of these species. Again, they're still going to cooperate with the feds, Mm. but it's going to be largely the wildlife biologists, the stakeholders in states and localities who will manage these different species. And grizzly bears in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem have exceeded a thousand individuals. I don't know if you saw those numbers from, um, I think it was uh, the Jack- one Jackson Hole publication had published the findings. I forget the exact source, but they were undercounting how many bears there are. And we're seeing more human bear conflicts. And we're going to see the, the same. The lady with- got ripped out of her tent and eaten last yes. uh, last summer. Like Yeah, and same Wyoming. with wolves. Yeah. Same with wolves. They, they again, restored threatened, endanger- or threatened protections on the gray wolf, which was shown to have been successfully delisted, met the criteria for being delisted. But again, because of emotional appeals and lawsuits, it is sadly not being treated as a species that should be delisted and, you know, be allowed to flourish. There's going to be a little bit of management. And in Montana, they were saying that, oh no, the wolf is being extirpated because it's being hunted just outside the national park limits. But findings from the Montana FWP have shown that actually the population hasn't really changed that much, even with mm. the management system in place. So a lot of people were crying foul, crying wolf, essentially, of whether or not the, the gray wolf outside of Montana or that hunt or managed hunt that was supposed to take place or that is taking well, place the reality would decimate is the species. That hunters and trappers can't kill them fast enough. Like Idaho's population is still expanding, even though hunters and trappers are killing like three to 400 wolves a year. Like you're not, you're not putting a dent in it. They're actually increasing in numbers. And so like I, Idaho fishing game shoots wolves out of helicopters. That's, I mean, they do, they don't like to talk about it because it's, you know, a black eye of public mm-hmm. perception, but that's their management practice to help out with managing uh, these apex predators. Like what funds conservation? Well, elk tags, not wolf tags. So if you're, if your conservation model, which is, you know, what, what the North American conservation model is, it's elk tags. 
mule deer tags. Well, what's killing them? Okay, it's wolves. So we need wolves, right? We, we're, we're all conservationists. We, we're not saying let's extirpate wolves again. Let's not go back in time 100 years ago. That's fine. Uh, but you have to, if you're going to have this system that relies on servid license sales, you can't have something that's just wiping them out. And then the, uh, the opportunity to generate revenue is just gone. So there's a fine balance. Right now, the balance is out of whack. There's too mm-hmm. many of them. And, and certainly the, uh, the Yellowstone area, greater Yellowstone area states. And then you talk about, gosh, what's happening in the Great Lakes with, with Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan. They have, they have no recourse to manage their wolves. And it's uh, really a crying shame what's happening to. And I've, I was in camp in Illinois, I think it was three years ago for a whitetail muzzleloader hunt. And I was talking to a guy from Wisconsin who was there. He's like, yeah, he's like 20 years ago. We had, we probably had three times as many deer as we do now, but you know, the wolves have just completely wiped them out. So have you heard of, um, Isle Royale in Michigan? Mm -hmm. So it's an Island that they put wolves on. Yeah. Interestingly enough. And a lot of, I was in upper peninsula, Michigan earlier this year, and they were telling me how like the wolves will get off the Island to swim. Um, and how it's kind of an experiment gone awry, Mm -hmm. uh, just putting them there isolated. And then some of them can get to the mainland, of course. And I think some were also placed on the, on the upper peninsula as well. But, um, I have, I'm going to explore maybe Isle Royale in the future, but they were telling me that they, a lot of locals feel like it was a wasted project that they want to see wolves there. And they've heard wolves there from camping or being in proximity to the area, but they just found it to be an interesting experiment so far, not as effective as a lot of the proponents were claiming it to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the thing with predators. They get put on a, a pedestal unjustly. Um, Ted Nugent told me like the first year I ever I ever did this show, he was like, you know, a life is a life. A, a sparrow is a deer, is a wolf, is a mountain lion, you know, is a bear. Uh, they're, they're all valuable, but they all have to be managed. So mm-hmm. uh, when you put, you know, more value on one species, uh, it, it just you know, starts a chain of dominoes that only ends up with negative impact. So, um, I think that's all the time that, uh, we have for today. I do want to direct people to the district of conservation podcast. That's your podcast. And if you want a thorough explanation of what's going on in DC that could affect you as a hunter and angler conservationist, uh, Gabby is certainly, she has her finger on the pulse at all times. So, I appreciate your insight. Every time we visit, I learn something new. And um, I hope that uh, that you have a wonderful fall. Thank you. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you. So much to cover. I know you do an excellent job too. And we keep tabs on other places, even outside of DC, because everything is affected by DC decisions. Mm-hmm. So yes, I hope your listeners come check out District of Conservation. And I hope you have a great fall too. And I hope at some point we can connect in person. I've tried to, we've tried to before, but it oh, yeah. doesn't work out, but we will at some point. Well, you know, SCI is going to be a lot closer to you this year. It's going it to be is. In, in Nashville. So uh, I'm going to try to go. <laughs> I should February, be going. February of 2023. So it'll be here before we know it. Hopefully we can make that happen. Or if you get down to Texas, just let me know. Absolutely. Thank you again, Cable. All right. Thank you. <laughs>